ready? Game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill. What's up? Welcome in a bi-week edition of Hogan Johns, and we'll take a little bit of a break, but there's a lot to talk about today. John, there was uh, some interesting conversations we had with assistant coaches today as the self-scouting, the always, uh, I guess, good, necessary self-scouting that goes on during the bi-week has begun. I'm really, like... To be honest, I really enjoy the the assistant coaches Zoom calls. They're better than the than the access. Now the access isn't the same in terms of length, but like the interactions have changed a bit. I feel like with the assistant coaches over Zoom, I've actually really enjoyed them. The offensive ones were pretty entertaining today. That was an upset considering the state of the offense. They've already moved on. I guess so. I guess so. Uh, We're on the Green Bay. (laughs) Well, we're about to be on the Green Bay, too. We're about to be on solutions. But before we get there, we do need to uh, get to your voicemails from uh, Monday Night's Disaster. Welcome in. Hogan Johns here with you. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. You can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Adam Johns on The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you can go sign up, get all the great Bears coverage, all coverage. There's an NBA draft tonight. You can get that coverage. There's plenty of stuff going on in the sports world. You get it all for a dollar per month for 12 months right now at theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. That's an easy deal for you. Uh, and please write and review the podcast. Please support us. We appreciate you listening, uh, even through all these tough times. And, uh, and by rating and reviewing, you help us out. All right. We also love that you interact with us on the voicemail line. And... I imagine the voicemails this week, spicy, as past weeks. That's putting it mildly. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's go ahead and take a listen. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! The Hogan Johns voicemail. The Hogan Johns voicemail line. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Okay, cat, down the bad boys. This is Bob Dabrowski, and those were lasers, and the Bears offense is going to be shooting them all over the field tonight like they're sharks with laser beams on their heads. We got uh, no problem here tonight. I feel like rejuvenated. This is what the Bears needed. I'm so glad that Coach Nagy recognized this. It's going to give them uh, some extra juice, a little jump in their step. I predict, um, I mean, it's going to be a shellac in a Kirk Cousins tonight. I, I feel bad for John D. He's going to have PTSD just watching his boy back there. But uh, let's go Bears um, 39, uh, Vikings 8. Go Bears. Bear down. It's about, I don't know, maybe... 
15 minutes before the game starts. Let's just pray that the new offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor, puts the f***ing halfback dive to rest. About two minutes to kick, kick off here. We got a Miller Lite. Got some pizza. Go Bears. Hey, Bears fan. B-Man here. Sorry I missed you last week. I won't let that happen again. School night means going to bed at the half. Bear down. Halftime thoughts. The offense is still the same offense. Nick Foles is still Nick Foles. Cairo Santos, excuse me, Carlos Santos is automatic. But overall, the Bears are still the Bears. So I'm feeling like Laser has a little bit more rhythm in the offense than Nagy. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, guys. Is it possible an entire team can give you Stockholm Syndrome? For Daryl Patterson, two at the house, bear down, baby. The Bears have the most perplexing special teams unit I have ever watched. Is it possible to have an offense this bad? Is that possible? Is it really possible? Third quarter, ending, just pathetic. Supposed to be an offensive mastermind. You can't let this regime take over another draft. Come on. I called about 25 minutes ago saying that the Bears' third quarter curse was over when Patterson returned the kickoff for a touchdown. We got three yards at the end of the third quarter in that quarter. I uh, rescinded my statement. I just wanted to say I love watching this offense. In fact, the only thing better than watching this offense is probably drinking a diarrhea smoothie. This offense is f***ing trash, man. I can't watch this shit every week. Foles is not the guy. The offensive line is atrocious. And it doesn't matter who's calling plays. We still can't score. I am done. Done with this f***ing offense. Done with this stupid-ass play calling. Done with these stupid Foles who cannot move two freaking feet in the pocket. We just freaking ran a wide receiver screen on third and four. What are they thinking? Fire every damn one of these coaches. Fire every damn one of them. It wasn't Mitch. It was Nagy this whole time. But the worst plot twist ever for a Bears fan. That offense is absolutely atrocious. And Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn is like, where are the sacks at, man? It's just pain. Time to clean house. Ownership down. Get rid of them all. Try again. Bear down. What's up, guys? I know you like to keep things fresh on the podcast, so let me try and give you a question you may not have heard before. Why does Rashad Coward have a job? Oh, you've heard that before. Okay, sorry, sorry. All right, it's Tyler Bray time. Let's do this. Our defense does not deserve this. Our offense is just anemic. I don't understand why. I don't understand how. I don't understand who. I don't understand what. But... Jesus, we need help on offense. This is Mike from L.A. I just watched the Bears debacle. They will be lucky to win another game. Guys, this is rock bottom. This is bad. We got to figure this out because I can't deal with it anymore. My rage is quickly turning into apathy, which isn't something I need in this COVID time. Everybody must be fired. Every f***ing one of them. From Ted Phillips to Ryan Pace, to Matt Nagy, to the ball boy. Fire every one of them. This team sucks. Fire them now. Nobody needs to be anywhere near that facility come this damn bye week. Mitch, true, 
Pesque. Mitch Tro Pesque. Mitch Tro Pesque. Oh, we hear you, Bob. We hear you. I think we agree. Yes. Oh, I, I don't Strongly, think Strongly, but... yes. Which is a good segue to uh, some of the stuff we heard from Juan Castillo, the Bears offensive line coach. Uh, this uh, running game has been really, quite frankly, a disaster. At times, Monday night, they had some runs, which was interesting because you didn't have David Montgomery. Uh, at times, there seemed to be a rhythm, but come on. Uh, since the beginning of the season, the first couple weeks of the season, the Bears did run the ball okay, and it has been a problem ever since. So, naturally, Adam, that was one of the questions that was posed to Juan Castillo early, in fact, right at the beginning of the conversation with Castillo today. I'm going to leave the question uh, from Dan Weeder in here and includes a follow-up. It's just a little back and forth here that I found very interesting uh, and wanted to share. You guys are obviously at a period now where you get to do some self-scouting and some reflection on on some of the offensive struggles. When you look at the running game in general, what is your gut feeling on why it has been so consistently stagnant through through the first 10 games of the year? Well, you know, I, I think you have to be careful how you say that, Dan. If you go back and you look at the first three games, we ran the ball pretty good the first three games. And I think you just got to go back. What we did is we just went through some of the schemes that we had success with, and, and we went, went and looked at some of those schemes, and and then we're going to talk about it as, as a staff and, and go from there because, you know, there are some schemes that we've had some success in, and we just talk about those, maybe doing those a little more. Without giving away, the the, the obviously, the, the X's and O's and the strategy to it, why – didn't it carry over? Obviously, the quarterback change happened seven games ago, and 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 you guys have been incredibly stagnant in those seven games, aside from the first three. Well, you know, Dan, that's that's probably um, that's something that we're working on to look at right now. You know, what you know, what that could be, what the what the problems were, and and we get those corrected so we can make a nice little run here at the end. Yeah. Um. I guess my initial thought right there is. Why is it? Why has it taken so long to go look at some of the stuff you did the first few weeks? But also fairly acknowledging that some of that stuff had to do with who was playing quarterback those what? first three weeks. Who? And that follow-up from Dan there was pretty specifically about the quarterback change uh, and the seven games since and not being able to run the ball. And the response there was, well, we're looking at that right now. I don't think I'm taking it out of contact. That sounded to me like John's there. They are actively talking about a quarterback change. And they're talking about if they do that, going back to some of the stuff which we spent most of the summer talking about, how they would change things for Mitch Trubisky, the offense we saw back in training camp, heavier formations, more play action, the things that seemed to work early on in the season when Mitch was out there and completely went away when Nick Foles was the quarterback. A little bit more power, a little bit more downhill stuff, and those averages were good. If you can recall the storylines saying that the the running game was potentially possibly fixed. It wasn't because the coaches reverted back to what they were doing last year. <laughs> Hearing what, what Castillo was saying, and yes, you know there are hints of a quarterback change in there. Maybe they can run the same stuff 
that they ran in weeks one through three for Nick Foles. Let's not forget Nick Foles was a bit better in week three as well. But but if they can, then why did, why haven't they done Why it? haven't they? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think about how Juan Castillo delivers that message to Matt Nagy. You would think everything he just said to us has already been delivered to Matt Nagy, Bill Lazor, and Dave Ragone. Guys with the coordinator tags and the guy with the head coach tag. right? Like those... That message, those words, maybe those exact words, should have been relayed to Matt Nagy at this point. Now to Bill Lazor, the play caller. We'll see if it comes to fruition, but we all know what the stats say. We all know how it looked. It flowed better. We've been saying it for a while in this podcast. I feel like every week this comes up in a sense in one of these shows that we do. What worked for Trubisky in weeks one and two also worked for the offensive line. It worked for the run game. Whatever that simpler approach was, it worked for the quarterback and for those who protect him. It did. And it seemed like it took so long to get to that point, but was so easy and quick to go back to what didn't work last year when you made the quarterback switch back to Nick Foles. That's a great point you bring up. Like, How how does Juan Castillo get through to... To Matt Nagy on that one, and where what does Bill Lazor want to do? Yeah, yeah. You know, Bill Lazor didn't run this offense when he was calling plays in Miami and when he was calling plays in Cincinnati. He had Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. You know what I mean? Like, what game was it last year where Matt Nagy turned to the I formation? Where he unleashed, I should say, the I formation. Chargers game. Chargers game. Right. It, it was after halftime. They marched right down the field. Boom, boom, boom. Run, run, run. Power, power, power. Score. And, and then, then he got were, away from it in the fourth quarter, and they lost. And then you rarely saw the I-formation again. And he had that very adamant and resolute quote where I wasn't brought here to run the I-formation. Remember that? Like when Juan Castillo is saying all this, I'm thinking of that again. Quick response to that. You may not have been brought here to run the I-formation. Uh, y- you might need to run the I-formation to stay here, though. You're brought here to win games. Not have the 32nd-ranked offense. to have these persistent run game problems. You know, I tweeted out that quote from Juan Castillo about them talking, about them having, we're looking at some of the schemes we had success with, talking about those, maybe doing those a little bit more. You should see the responses on Twitter, (laughs) as you can imagine. All sorts, all all sorts of fired up, huh? Whoa, a traditional pro-style offense working in the NFL? Sense the sarcasm there Um, from Anthony Higgins on Twitter there. Uh, What a novel concept. Use what works. Only took how many weeks to think of this? (laughs) A lot of that. And then one fair one here. Good luck without James Daniels because James Daniels was playing early in the season. Wow. What week is this? This conversation is just now taking place? It's mind-boggling in a sense. You know, I've always had problems with the Bears saying there was a transition with Nick Foles because he was brought here so there wouldn't be a transition. But this is, is part of the the self-scouting they say they do all the time. And here we are, week 10, 5-5 five and five after starting 5-1. and one. And you hear your offensive line coach, whom you brought in to replace him with the other offensive line coach because you're going to run the ball well enough, saying all this. It's quite revealing and surely frustrating for everybody who hears that and is a fan of the Bears. 
Yeah. Well, it's it's frustrating, but it's also probably relieving too. You know, I mean, I mean the, the the sarcasm in these comments are coming from the, the fact that it's like, why did it take so long to do this? And I, fair question from you that you mentioned earlier, like, why can't Nick Foles? Why can't you do some of this with Nick Foles? Why is it so obviously tied to the quarterback change, right? Um, but that being said. Fine. If it takes changing quarterbacks again to get back to it, then you just need to get back to it somehow. And so at least I would – you can roll your eyes a little bit at what Juan Castillo said because it took so long. But if I'm a Bears fan, I'm also happy to hear those comments. I'm happy to hear the offensive line coach come out and say, hey, we need to get back to doing what worked early on in the season. It, regardless of when it's happening, is it happening too late? Absolutely. But it's happening, and you're still at 500, and you still have six games to go. Well, he's protecting his guys as well, and his guys are just being lit up. Forget just on the uh, on the field, but we're criticizing them. You know, I'm sure their opponents are, are are laughing at what they're seeing. In a sense, you have to protect your guys and do what works. Why he's reached this point, I don't know. I I always feel like, you know, I did this article a week ago on the potential best fits for. Mitchell Trubisky in the future, and talking to an NFL scout and also our good friend Matt Bowen, um, who does a lot of good work for uh, ESPN, and they kept bringing up run-heavy teams that use a lot of play action, where things are simpler is not the best word here, but in a sense, that's what it is, right? Cutting the field in half, giving them some high-low reads, making things easier for your quarterback. There's nothing wrong with doing that. A lot of teams do it. Almost every team does it. Sorry. Every team does it to a certain extent. Now, some quarterbacks are obviously better than others. But you know what? There's only a few special ones in the league. Your coaches have to help your quarterbacks. Scheme is supposed to help your quarterback. Kirk Cousins, good example. Ryan Tannehill, good example. Baker Mayfield now, good example. Run-heavy teams that use play action. That was working for Mitch Trubisky. Probably could have continued to work if the Bears wanted to stick with it. And yet here we are, weeks away from that, from what we saw in those first few weeks, having this discussion with the Bears 5-5 five and five, heading into their bye week, at their bye week. That's interesting stuff because it, it is true that it, it, it feels like anytime you talk about you know having to do things that help your quarterback – it, it's an indictment on the quarterback. Like, I, I think some of that just comes with the spotlight that's always on quarterback play in the NFL. But, yeah, it's like, oh, well, if you have to do so much play action, even in Minnesota, for example, where we always kind of joke around with Kirk Cousins. You know, Kirk Cousins, as much as I rip you for that whole thing, you know, like we admitted last week, you know, the Bears would be better off if they had Kirk Cousins probably. Right? Okay. I even I can admit that. I mean, you could do certainly worse than Kirk Cousins, which is why they guaranteed him another sixty-six million dollars over two years. I uh, don't necessarily think they had to do that, but they did, and it's because you don't want to be in complete quarterback hell. Well, you have Kirk Cousins. You got to do things to help him out. You got to run heavier schemes. You got to run more power. You got to have Dalvin Cook. You got to run more play action. Who cares? And that's what's best for your offense. I was just looking at some of these numbers. I don't know if I still have this up in front of me. You know, the Vikings are in the top quadrant in both running the football and passing the football this year. You know, they have a good offense with Kirk Cousins. So they're scheming to help their quarterback. There is nothing wrong with that. Uh, and 
it, it's it, that's just a great point, I think. And the quarterback still has to make the reads, still has to step on the up in the pocket, still has to make the checks to the line of scrimmage, still has to deliver the football. So it's not like you're taking everything away from him, and that you can't completely critique what the quarterback is doing. But the scheme is supposed to help the quarterback, and I thought we saw a lot of examples of a not helping the quarterback, um, that being Nick Foles the other night against the Vikings when there's no outlet pass on, on blitzes. It's just the frustrating thing, I think, is week 10, around the week 11. Yeah. You're 5-5 five and five now. You know what my favorite run game stat is right now? Our friend Patrick Manley shared it on Twitter the other day. You know what it is? Did you see this one? Uh, I did not see that. So the Bears' run game has produced 782 rushing yards this season. Your kick returner, Cordell Patterson, mm-hmm. has 787 kick return yards. That <sighs> blows your mind. <laughs> I mean, think about that. 26 yeah. returns for Patterson. 217 rushing wow. attempts. Wow, wow. <laughs> Blows your mind. Just to go back to the Vikings real quick. You know, they don't have a great offensive line. They've improved it a little bit, but that's not a that's not a powerful outstanding O-line. But they have the right scheme to just get the yards. And and I go back to Mitch. You know, Mitch Mitch obviously it's like we always have to qualify this, was probably definitely not worth the number two overall pick in the NFL draft. Okay, fine. I still think that you could, with Mitch Trubisky, have an offense like Minnesota's, which, again, top quadrant of this graph I'm looking at right now that shows passing and rushing efficiency in 2020. The Vikings are right up there, pretty close to Seattle, pretty close to Arizona right around where the Buccaneers are, right around where the Saints are, the Minnesota Vikings. And that comes down to coaching, that comes down to scheming, that comes to putting in your players in the best position to succeed, which I think is very clearly at this point a problem. There's the nothing Chicago wrong Bears. with that. There's nothing wrong no. with it. It's just, like, even look at the start. This this may be a bad example. Even look at the start of, like, Russell Wilson's career. When you have Marshawn Lynch back there and you got that defense that complements that run game, Right. How much do you think he benefited being a young quarterback from an approach like that? A ton. Where you got this p- a power running game with some quick receivers where you could take the play action, use your athleticism when needed, and play complementary football to the outstanding defense. It sounds like a good approach to have, you know, in a certain other city with another outstanding defense. Just a thought. You know, it, it's been a criticism in Seattle for years that Pete Carroll didn't let Russell Wilson loose enough. You know, that he was too reliant on the running game and, and you know, wouldn't take the leash off Russell Wilson. And then they finally did so, and he looks like an MVP candidate, although last week wasn't that great. But think about all the confidence and the, the experience gained just by having that Absolutely. approach early on. Just, just, just a thought as we talk about quarterback development and whatnot. And by the way, I know for a fact because I covered this season in uh, Russell Wilson's one season at Wisconsin. And we talked about this with Nate Tice earlier this year because Nate Tice was on that team. Um, and by the way, we're I think we're having Nate Tice on the podcast next week. So if you missed it last time, he's great. And we're going to have him on again. But that one year at Wisconsin under Paul Chris, which is obviously a run-heavy 
team, pro-style offense, it did him a lot of good for coming into the NFL. And that's just, I think, further proves the point that you're making. Um, we'll see. There's a lot of talk with the Bears, uh, you know, in between games. And then we get to Sunday or we get to Monday night, and it all looks the same. So will they actually change quarterbacks? Will they actually go back to some of the things Juan Castillo's talking about here? Boy, you would hope so. But if if Matt Nagy's honest and he's and he really means everything's on the table, Juan Castillo should walk up with the game plans for the first three weeks and throw it on that freaking table. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, look at this, you know, yards per carry by David Montgomery. Not too bad, right? Better than what we had in the second half against the Vikings, right? Just a thought, right? Just a thought. Hey, by the way, while we're recording this, uh, interesting tweet from Field Gates from ESPN. Uh, with Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky banged up, the Bears are bringing in Deshaun Kaiser for a tryout. Just a tryout. Former Notre Dame quarterback. A guy who I didn't really love coming out in the draft a few years ago and uh, really has not been very good. He was he came in that Packer game a couple years ago when Rodgers got hurt. Remember that? That was the one where Rodgers came back, though, right? And then Rodgers came back and looked came. like Superman. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, On one leg. Yes. Um, that was Cleo Mack's debut. It was. Um, yeah, on, on a scale of 1 to 10 for how much Bears fans should be excited about such a, a thing, maybe 0.5? Come on. I'm, after what Cleo Mack did to Deshaun Kaiser in that game, I'd be a little afraid to show up to Hell's <laughs> Hall if I was Kaiser. <laughs> Uh, Khalil, who's uh, the other, who's the guy they got in the practice squad right now? Kyle Slaughter. Yeah, I say that right. Yeah, I mean that guy was brought in first. <laughs> it's just Deshaun. Uh, welcome to Hallis Hall. Uh, you may remember Khalil Mack. Khalil. Oh, Deshaun, you don't have to run away. Come back now. Drops Come back. His, drops his playbook. <laughs> right. Royal Quinn Smith picks it up and runs it the other way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it could be there. It could be a new bear. It could be a new bear. But yeah, hey, look. If anything, that tells me that Nick Foles may miss some time. You know, it's my understanding it's going to be a couple weeks. So, given his age, given his lack of mobility to begin with, not ideal to have this hip pointer injury. And I can tell you that Mitch Trubisky is—he's going to need some time. Now, could he be ready by Sunday night? Yeah, maybe. But he needs. To, I think the Bears want to see some significant progress over the next few days. With Mitch? With Mitch, yes, with his right shoulder. Well, okay, but let's be honest. One of the two of them has to gut it out, or you have no chance. I, I find it hard to believe that they're not going to have either quarterback yeah, playing that Yeah, I know, game. I know, I know. Otherwise, don't even take the buses up there. Just going to fly in Tyler Bray by himself? Look, I'm just being honest. You put Tyler Bray or Kyle Sloter or Deshaun Kaiser on Lambeau Field... In two weeks, I don't even think you and I need to cover the game or or even do a post game podcast. Just just move on to the to the Lions game the week after. One might say the way Nick Foles has played, the same thing could be said. <laughs> All I'm saying That's is me, and that was mean by me, but yeah, that that type of stuff though factors in when it comes down to with Mitch. Okay, you didn't need surgery. Is it pain? Is it a pain tolerance thing? All right. We need you to play. Or we got no shot, right? Well, here's my counter to that. If you're Mitchell Trubisky and your shoulder isn't 100% and 
and this is the coaching staff that benched you. This is the team that drafted you and essentially gave up on you. Yeah. Maybe unfairly. Do you want to return behind an offensive line that features Alex Bars or Shadow Coward? And well, whoever? I, think, I think that's a fair question, but that doesn't sound like Mitch to me. No. No, but it's one that's got to be brought up to him by people who are concerned about his future. Oh, absolutely. I, I know this conversation has come up a little bit. Is he really going to do anything? I think he has more to gain than to lose. Oh, he has a lot to gain. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, is he really? So he comes out, he plays behind a bad offensive line. To me, the only thing he could really hurt himself with is if he physically got hurt to yes. the point where now he needs offseason surgery and it. That would be the factor. I don't. I don't think from That's a place per, perspective, he's gonna hurt himself anymore. I, I would actually contend that he's gained just by the Bears being the Bears as of late. Sure. I I think it's telling everybody who 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 who's been skeptical of who he is as a quarterback. Oh, maybe he wasn't that bad. Actually, that offense looked better with him. You know, and it's bad. You know, he made it decent. <laughs> On some days, like like that argument can't be made that, you know, looking at Foles's failures, and there's a lot of them, that Trubisky's standing in the NFL world has improved. Which is why, and you remember this happened last year after that four-game losing streak and that weird game in L.A. where you think he got benched, and maybe he did. You know, he came out on Thanksgiving and had a huge game against the Lions. And then the following week on Thursday Night Football had a good game against the Cowboys. And, you know, if you get Bobby Massey back, maybe you get Eric Cush involved in there. And that line is at least, you know, Cody Whitehair's got another week back. Things are a little bit better from a protection standpoint. I still think there's something to gain for him by coming back and playing. And, you know, if you refuse to play and Foles isn't available... I don't know yeah, if refuse is the right way to put it. If you're, if you don't feel physically prepared for the rigors of a football game, <laughs> use some big words there, but okay, you get my drift. Yeah, well, it's it's a it's a conversation. I guess as I see it right now, and maybe when we regroup on Tuesday next week, we'll have answers, or I'll be wrong. I've been wrong before. I feel like this is moving towards Trubisky coming back and playing against the Green Bay Packers and the offense looking a little bit more like it did earlier in the season. What else, do the, what else do the Bears have to lose at this point? Uh, Ex- no, six, that's what I mean. Six it's, more it, games. No, I was just, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know what you meant. <laughs> no, I know what you meant. They got to do something. They got to do something. Should we bring in our friend Kevin Fishbane? I guess. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. 
That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Kevin. What's up, guys? We were just uh, discussing how the, uh, you know, the Bears came up with this outstanding idea to go back to what was working in the first three weeks of the season. When did they do that? When Juan Castillo said earlier that they're going to look at that and m- maybe use some of that stuff. Well, it only took them seven weeks, right? <laughs> so what we've done on this podcast is essentially bench Nick Foles, and we're bringing back Mitchell Trubisky. Yes, and we make the decisions here, so this is very important news that's being made. So you guys have no interest in Deshaun Kaiser. I cannot interest you in a Deshaun Kaiser. Since I since you've joined the podcast, the the interest level that I think Bears fans should have in him <laughs> has gone from a point five to a point two five. That 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 went down. Yeah, it went down. Well, I walked through the because um, do you remember what Cleo Mack did to Deshaun Kaiser on the opener a couple years ago? I do. I do. So we walk through that situation, you know, Deshaun walks into the, uh, you know, house hall next week or whatever, and Khalil's there, and Kaiser just decides to leave. And just like what happened in Green Bay, the Bears would still find a way to lose the situation <laughs> yeah. in the end. <laughs> yes. Probably. Hey, uh, we're bringing you in here mid, mid, uh, you know, podcast. Well, the next thing we we're going going to discuss is what Ted Monachino had to say today about Robert Quinn which was also interesting. And talk about accountability, holding players accountable. I think this is a a pretty good example. Yeah, we're getting close to his number. We're getting close to hitting it. I know that um, early in the year, you know, the first couple of – first, he didn't play in the first one. The second, the weeks two and three, uh, he had a little bit of a a hard cap that we tried to keep him under. Now we're trying to get him up. So he's, uh, like I mentioned before, somewhere north of 50% of our snaps. Uh, He is taking more snaps in different situations. Uh, which is helping us reach that number. I think that from a role standpoint, Chris, I I think that you can expect to see Robert doing what Robert does best. Um, And I I hope to see uh, a little bit of a jump between now and and next Sunday night. Um, We're giving him the opportunities to do it. Now we just got to figure out ways for him to finish and close out some of those rushes that that he is getting. How, how would you define that jump? Is it as simple as just recording sacks or disruption? I mean, what you, what more do you want to see of him moving forward? Rob has to make one play. He has to make one play in the passing game. And uh, be, before he can make three or four, he's got to make one. And it's been a long drought. And, and nobody's feeling that uh, any more than Robert is. I think that today's meeting was uh, valuable for all of them, especially for him, uh, because he sees that he's close. And a couple little things – from a technique standpoint and things early and late in the down that can 
can allow him to have some productive rushes. Uh, I think that he knows that uh, this is not a difficult game, and sometimes we try to make it too difficult, and uh, he's going to focus in on little little tiny details that are going to help him uh, finish some of those rushes. No, I think with a player like Rob, you've got to evaluate him based on his numbers. And right now his numbers aren't where he wants them, where I want them, where any of us in the city want them. To play off uh, Ted Monachino's words there, one could argue that Robert Quinn has made one play. <laughs> Not funny? Okay. Yeah. Mean? Well, Kevin didn't seem to react whatsoever. I was trying in my head to do the math of how many snaps it's been since that one play. Oh, I was looking at that earlier, and I was... Uh, um, I let me do the math for you. Um, it's a lot. Yes, I got the math for you. So he's played 308 snaps this year. So that would be 307 snaps since that play. My math is correct. Oh, the math, I wasn't actually, but... I, I assume you guys noticed that uh, Coach Monachino, I feel like last week when we talked to him and earlier in the season, he was taking responsibility for Robert Quinn's lack of production. Mm-hmm. And this was a bit of a, a change in tone. Maybe he saw Adam Hoag's tweet about Leonard Floyd winning... Uh, <laughs> NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Yeah, I mean, the other, th- I think that's interesting, Kevin. And I think what's also interesting is this is also a guy, Ted Monachino, who has consistently defended Khalil Mack for sometimes not having the production because he's being double, triple team sometimes. The attention's always going towards him. And so some other times when we've talked to Monachino about Khalil, and understandably, you know, he said, hey, look, you know, he he may be on the field for, I don't know, 50, 60 snaps a game, but he may only get five opp- five true opportunities one-on-one on a passing down to go get the quarterback. And that's really, those are the plays that you have to really evaluate. Is a guy doing his job? Is he winning that down or not? So I find it interesting that with Robert Quinn, and I don't think it's a double standard. I think it's a completely fair standard. Khalil Mack's getting all that attention. Akeem Hicks is getting all that attention. So when he says with a player like Robert, you do have to evaluate the production. You know, the production does matter. It, it is because he's probably getting more one-on-ones than any other guys are. And so you got to win those. And the bottom line is not winning them. Pass rusher is a production position, man. Like, sacks are everything. Pressures are, like, quarterbacks are built to handle pressures. you got to hit them. And then you got to sack them. you got to finish those plays... Um, you know that Leonard Floyd has more sacks than Cleo Mack this season? Like, yeah. Do you know that he's got more quarterback hits than Cleo Mack this season? Like, Robert yeah. Quinn was supposed to help all of those numbers. I'm not saying Leonard Floyd's a better player than Cleo Mack. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying here, but the numbers are the numbers at this point after 10 games. As uh, Mark Potash said uh, today, uh, Leonard Floyd, another good example of Ryan Pace's evaluation. Found found some talent there. I, it's interesting too because la, you know Hogue, you referenced Cleo Mack, and last year so much so he's double teamed, he's triple teamed, and but when we talked to Cleo Mack, it took like nine months before we finally got talked to Cleo Mack. He did not sound like somebody who thought he had a good season last season. No, he sounded like a guy who was on a peloton. <laughs> he was on a peloton, and he he was like, I mean, remember last year when he made the Pro Bowl, he wouldn't even acknowledge it uh, when talking to the media. So. You know, while the coaches are going to say, well, it's not just the sacks, it's this and this, he knows that he needs to put up better numbers. He probably knows he needs better numbers now. 
And I mean, from our, our few times we've talked to Robert Quinn, he seems like the type of guy that is very understanding about it. I mean, he, he's a he's a football guy, Robert Quinn, right? I mean, he, he's just a football guy. And like Chris Emma, who you just heard asking that question, Chris Emma's a football guy. Mm-hmm. Kind of kind of different football guys, but... Um, <laughs> kind of different football. But I, I remember watching that Carolina game and uh, Quinn flashed a ton. I mean, he was creating plays left and right for his teammates and, and, and it was very noticeable. Um, but at, at some point, you, you know, look, no one is making more money on the Chicago Bears this year than Robert Quinn. Like that, Ooh. like, so, you know, make a play, make a play, make it, make two plays. Chris, I'm what kind of dog you have? Have a Rottweiler. There you go. Just two football guys talking dogs. So Robert Quinn this year, three hundred and eight snaps. One snack. One snack. One snack. I'm hungry, guys. I'm hungry. One sack. Back one snack. Three quarterback hits. Zero tackles for loss. Nine total tackles. Two forced fumbles. One fumble recovery. That's it. Just throwing out the numbers. Yeah, no, and that's why his position coach says he needs to do more. I just look it. That stuff's not controversial. It's just true. Uh, you just don't hear a coach say it a whole lot. So I appreciated that stuff from Tim Monacino today, and wanted to play it for you. So do you know what you know what the Bears are fortunate about though at that position? At that Barkevius Mingo is having a good season for what his role is, and James Vaughters. I mean, those two combined are doing better than or right around what Aaron Lynch was doing. So, I mean, again, I'm not saying that makes up for how much production you're not getting from the two guys you're spending so much money on and who you expect it out of, but it does, uh, you know, it, it, it deserves some notice that those two are, are doing a nice job behind the, the two starters. Absolutely. Chris, uh, Matt Nagy has always been kind of the past half-fold kind of guy. You're not listening, Chris. That's actually, you know what? It's good to hear from Chris. Not asking questions about dogs, but he, you know, real questions today and good answers, I think. It's good stuff. Uh, John, do you also want to talk about Roquan Smith before we get out of here? Yeah, let's be positive for once. Our podcast, be positive, right? Like it's, he's playing some outstanding football. Is he not, fellas? This is the best. We've all seen him play, but like consistently play this way. Leads the NFL in tackles for loss. Leads all linebackers in tackles. Kevin just did an all-22 on him. Um, one of the Bears' best players this season. Might, might be the Bears' best player this season. Uh, yeah, I, I think you could go. You can go that way. I mean, when you think of who on the Bears deserves a Pro Bowl, whatever a Pro Bowl means this year, I think Roquan Smith is probably number one on that list. I, I can't think of anybody more deserving of Pro Bowl right now than Roquan Smith. And and I, I mean, he had 14 tackles against the Vikings. You mentioned he had a few behind the line. He also had two or three that were just for one yard or no gain. And the guy's been dynamite in coverage. I just pulled up uh, from Pro Football Reference. He's allowing only five yards per completion and three yards per target. That, that number is half of what he was giving up last year. Quarterbacks have a passer rating of 65 when throwing uh, in the direction of Roquan Smith. Uh, first of all, I'm just going to object very hardly to something. Uh, Akeem Hicks is the best player in 
also is very deserving of going to a Pro Bowl and is still better than Roquan Smith. That being said, Roquan Smith is des- totally deserving of everything you guys just said, uh, a Pro Bowl nod. And um, the interesting thing, and I wrote about this in my 10 Bears things that came out today, uh, is that with the fifth-year option now being guaranteed at the time you grant the option, uh, the pricing is based actually on a combination of playing time and Pro Bowl nods if you make it on the original ballot. So if Roquan Smith were to make the original ballot, not just get in as an alternate, uh, he would automatically be in line for the transition tag value on his fifth-year option. Just something to keep in mind. be a nice pay, pay raise in 2022. And I think uh, just sort of a sidebar to how well he's playing – for the first time in a long time, the Bears have a relatively easy decision to make there with the fifth-year option, whereas in past years, it's, even with Kyle Fuller, it was like, uh, no way, you're not picking that up. And they didn't pick it up, and then Fuller played his way into a contract, but um, this time it should be relatively easy decision with Roquan Smith. Yeah, it's taken a couple years, but I think people forget how young he is. He's, what, 22, 23? Was a young draft pick to, to begin with. I like that, or I feel like the the responsibilities of being the quarterback of the defense, you know, all the calls go to him. I think that's actually helped him. I agree. Just, yeah, like take ownership of what the defense is and his place in it. Um, it's helped him become a better player. I totally agree with that. Mark DeLeon talked about that today. I asked him about that because, um, you know, when they drafted Roquan, we all thought that would be a responsibility he would have almost immediately. You know, kind of like uh, Jonathan Taves becoming the captain right away of the Blackhawks, even though he was, what, 19 years old at that point, Johns? DeLeon said, hey, you know, it's something he had to mature into. Because to your point, he's still really, really young. Um, but now he's reached that point, and he's still only 23, which which is uh, pretty great for the Bears. And assuming he stays healthy, he should be in that spot calling the defense for a really long time. Yeah, Mark DeLeon's given just providing great quotes on him. Like I, I feel like every time he talks, what's his quote today? I know he plays angry. Every single play, he plays angry. He plays like he's got a chip on his shoulder. I think he wants to be great. So you love hearing that stuff, especially about a Chicago Bears linebacker. And the the maturity is there in the Bears' messages about him too. It's it's not just sound bites like that I just read from DeLeon. It's it's like the them saying, uh, them highlighting the work He's putting in because they could track the the amount of film these guys watch now, right? Because it's all on iPads. They all have to log in. They all go into the same system, so they could count like the hours and the minutes that the guy that these guys are spending in their database. And Roquan Smith stuff has gone up considerably. The guy has not missed a snap since the first game of the season. Um, I, I, I he missed two snaps in that game. I don't remember why, but um, I mean that's like that's Bobby Wagner type. You know durability and importance to your defense to be out there. Um, I mean, he should be out there every snap because of how good he's he is and how good he's been. It's crazy, guys. I didn't. I guess I should have realized this. The Bears have not sent a linebacker to the Pro Bowl since 2011. That was the last one for uh, Urlacher and Briggs. Wow. Fishbane fun fact. So uh, sounds you know, right, though. I I will say, Hogue, back to the Keem Hicks point. I do agree with you. The, my, my worry when talking about purely Pro Bowl is I think we all know how much that's based on numbers for a lot of people. And I think Roquan Smith's numbers are going to do are going to 
do him a better service at this point than Akeem Hicks's numbers. And also, Akeem Hicks always gets... Uh, it's always so tough for him at his position. I don't want to go on a tangent here, but it's, it's always... I, again, I, I do agree. I, I think you, it's a fair argument that Hicks is the best player, has been the best player on this team. Um, but from a purely Pro Bowl standpoint, I always worry about him getting in when he's got to compete with uh, Aaron Donald for at least one of the spots on that NFC. Well, they're they're playing uh, they're playing Madden essentially, right? The yeah, guys it's not even a real game this year. It's just a virtual, yeah. virtual. But game. but as you said, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money at stake for a lot of these guys to get that uh, to get that Pro Bowl. He's not just playing at a Pro Bowl level, guys. Like you look at those numbers, the tackles, the tackles for loss, the PBUs. You could call him an All Pro. I'm I'm not overblowing this or overselling it by any means. Sounds He's like you at an are. All Pro level. I mean, it's just how you're calling him an All Pro. That's what. Okay. You're giving him that, an All that'd Pro. That'd be quite the step, yeah. Uh, that would be, but you know what? Um, when we talked to Lance Briggs earlier this season, he wasn't in the excuse making business with Broquad. or really anyone on that defense. You know, it's lift your lift your game up to that level. Uh, especially for him, though, being drafted at that spot where he was, that's what we all expected. And this was the jump that we talked about coming in this season, and it's happening. So that's some, you're right, to bring up a positive thing, to be optimistic for, for, uh, for a moment, the Roquan Smith story is a good one. Yeah, drafted it's nice, a good one. It's nice to talk about a first round pick that is panning out. And, yeah. and it's nice to talk about a guy who we all peg as a potential breakout player actually live up to it. You're right. I mean, they don't have to go out and pay $30 million guaranteed to a player this offseason because the first-round pick didn't work out. Ooh. Well, that's just something that happened. That's not a shot. That's just a fact that happened. It's true. True that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Kevin, any other final thoughts? Uh, how many seconds do I get this week? It's a big game. Uh, we'll give you 20 instead of 15. Uh, Northwestern is 5-1 and one against Wisconsin at Ryan Field in the last six meetings. The last time they met as ranked opponents in Evanston, 1995, Northwestern 35, Wisconsin nothing. Whoa. Wow. What year Don't, was that? I, that was uh, 1995. Uh, you, and oh, I, yeah. Hogue, you and I, Hogue, were youngsters. John Z was probably graduating college back in 95. Ooh, not that old. But yeah. uh, it's it's a uh, the Big Ten West, uh, you know, the probably de facto championship on the line. Excited to see uh, Graham Mertz against maybe one of the best secondaries in the country. Should be fun. It's the best secondary Graham Mertz has faced, and this is the best quarterback Northwestern's faced. Hey guys, I'm gonna watch the game. Why? Why not? It's a good game. You, John Z you, tweeted you about first time about they it both been the ranks since no. 1995. You, you, I've just heard you're not allowed to watch the game. You can't I'm talk. Watch it. No, you can't talk and smack I may all these even weeks. Tweet about it. I may even tweet about wow. it. Wow. I, I saw I saw John Z tweeting about Mike Allstott Jr. last week. So he I he did. I did. He had I Purdue it. Northwestern yep. on for a little bit. That was on. Of course, he tweets about like the worst play for Northwestern in that game. <laughs> it's like the only time he tweets something. He did look like Allstott on that play. He did. He did. He's a hater. Fitz was not happy about that play. Yeah. No, he wasn't. Um, it should be a fun game this weekend. And I always get excited about the Northwestern Wisconsin games um, and looking forward to being there on the sideline. All right. any Anything Bears related before you get out of here, Kevin? 
Uh, no, that's it. Hope you guys uh, you got some great NFL games to watch. I, I know you guys will get to that later in the week, but there's some really good uh, NFL games to watch while the Bears are off this weekend. The Packers and Colts is one of them. And we don't have to watch the Bears. That's that's a great point. <laughs> Cleanse the palate. It's take it. I think this is a. I mean, this is maybe the most uh, necessary bye week we've ever had. Let's just hope it. Uh, everyone hope it's not like the last time they had a necessary bye before heading to Lambeau Field. Twenty fourteen. Yes. That was uh. That was bad. That was bad. All right, Kevin. Thanks. Appreciate you. You can Thanks, read boys. Kevin's stuff on the Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. I think that's going to do it for us too, Johnsy. Your your kids are. I mean, your kids are calling. They're, they're, for they're, they're home from school. Yep, they're eating pizza. Usually we do this when they're at school, right? And this is yep. a little bit later in the day, so now they're on the podcast. That's okay. They're just soaking in the insight that we are sharing, or I'm sharing. I mean, it's great insight. Why would you not want to be around the podcast? <laughs> right? right? Want to say something? Want to say go Bears? Nothing. Nothing. No. Can't get it. <laughs> no. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Yeah, it's hard to say that these days. Uh, all right. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Read us, NBCSportsChicago.com. My 10 Bears things are up. Go check that out. Um, some stuff on Allen Robinson in the red zone. Ran some numbers on there. Seven targets? Seven Oof. targets. The, the percentage is even more interesting. It's like 14% of the available targets in the red zone that the Bears have had have all gone. And when you get inside the 10-yard line, it goes down to 8%. Oof. So your number one wide receiver has only gotten 8% of the available targets inside the 10-yard line this season. Adam, we said we're going to end on a positive note. I didn't say that. I just said we were going to end. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. We're out of here. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, we'll take the weekend off because there's no game. We'll be back on Tuesday. Uh, get back in our normal routine next week. Uh, Bears Packer Week. I still get excited about Bears Packer Week. That's okay. And we'll everybody can regroup this weekend. Get excited for next week. We'll find out who the quarterback is. And maybe they can run the ball. Maybe. Maybe. We'll talk to you then. Y'all stay Corona free, all right? And God bless.